0: Welcome to Alive with Jesus, the two most important issues for you and everyone is whether you are alive or not, and whether you are with Jesus or without Jesus. Alive with Jesus is focused on growing your faith by knowing truth with certainty, building on a solid foundation of God's word that gives you fulfillment and passion on purpose Our verse is 1 Thessalonians 5 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Join us as we build on a solid foundation so that every day from now through eternity, we are truly alive with Jesus. I am your host, Stuart, and with me, we have Stephen and Nathan. This episode, we are going to talk about Pharisees. So speaking of Pharisees, Nathan, can you lead us in prayer? (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. Yes, on that note I will. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we get to study your word and learn more about uh what you wanted us to know about the Pharisees and uh please bless this podcast and uh, helps to learn
0: something and apply it to our lives. And uh thank you in Jesus' name amen. And all right. well, Pharisees, we in the last episode we talked about some hermeneutical principles and in this one we're going to talk about Pharisees because uh, they're talked a lot uh, in the Bible Jesus had a lot of conversations with them and I know at least in the conversations that I've had with people over decades and and with Steve and I having a booth at the fair and other things like that uh, we've been called Pharisees before and a lot of other things, but um, and so it, the more you stand for the word that it is very possible that you will be called a Pharisee or you're just like the Pharisees. So I think it's helpful to understand who they were and specifically who the Bible says they were and what the Bible says they believed. You can find all kinds of books and outside sources saying, well, the Pharisees were this and this, and this is how they looked and this is how they dressed, and this is what they did. Well, that may be interesting, but if it's not in the Bible anymore, I, with culture and everything going the way it is, I just, I try and block it out. If it's conjecture or you know, this is what we think may it may have been like, well, okay. But if God felt it was really important for us to know that then he would have put it in there and far too often with television and movies and even other books, when uh, I think Steve, you mentioned this in the, the interview we had a few days ago on. Uh, Miss Ginny's channel. Do you have, do you know do you have that channel?
1: Yeah, Mrs. Ginny R. Jones. That's uh, M R S. Period. G I N N Y R Jones. That's on, That's her YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, she interviewed us, and that uh, was that was a great time talking about God and His Word. So definitely check her out, uh, or check her channel out. But one thing you mentioned, Steve, was uh, watching a movie like Passion for the Christ uh, or Passion of the Christ. Then those images, pictures worth a thousand words, those images now, that's how you read it, right?
1: It's burned in your skull. So you're you're watching... uh... You're watching passion and there there were a lot of very intense moments and bloody moments and and when you when you know the bible you know the story um it affects you because of of knowing the story but now when you see this on screen it's burned into your brain uh whether it's right or not and if you are uh believing that this is supposed to be the true story um, and so you open yourself up to it you you let down your defenses um, and so you're accepting this so now when you read the Bible uh, you're you're gonna have that image of what was in the movie. Um, but unless you know your Bible you're gonna know that uh, most of the the scenes, and most of the the or, uh, order of the scenes are not in the Bible or they're they're uh, they're bringing in verses from Revelation into uh, when Jesus is um, taking the bearing the cross down the road. Uh, it's like, wait a minute, that's not that's not how it happened. Um, so what that movie was, was really an indoctrination to uh, Roman Catholicism, the 14 stations of the of Roman Catholicism. So you've got that Roman doctrine now burned into your brain. So when you talk to somebody, especially a Roman Catholic, you talk to somebody about the crucifixion of Jesus, they're going to be agreeing with you because you have been indoctrinated with those uh, Roman Catholic doctrine, and it's going to seem real to you.
0: You get that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So now, when you when you read the story, you see the actors. You, you, that's who you you picture. Uh, and we'll, we probably should do a whole episode on the the passion since that'll be coming up soon. Um, because we did write a book about it, so we have we studied it quite a bit. But the the point here is that that little bit of leaven that comes in is in your brain. And now it changes how you read the Bible, how you think about the Bible. And so if you take someone else's definition of Pharisees and what they were like, and you take that as truth, you accept that as truth, then you are now trying to make judgments and and determine your actions based on someone else's definition of Pharisee instead of what the Bible has to say about Pharisees. So if, if the details and, you know, they talk about artistic licensure uh, for some of the TV movies and things. And I find it interesting because if, if God felt that all that was really needed to get the gospel out, wouldn't he have put that in the word uh, to, to keep people excited or interested or the drama or cliffhangers, you know, um, at the end of each chapter of the Bible, there's a cliffhanger. Oh, I can't wait to read, you know, it's, it's not what God did. And so we, we have this tendency to think, well, we have to, we have to help the Bible become more relevant or more exciting or something. But in the process, we're just, Filling it up with a bunch of stuff that he never meant to be there. So um, before we start going too far off and into the passion and make this episode about that, um, we're going to do the Pharisees, and let's just read some Bible about what God said about the Pharisees. And they aren't mentioned until Matthew, until the Gospels, till the New Testament. So they are they're mentioned specifically by that name in the Old Testament. Uh, but we're just gonna read a couple of interactions with this. And I think one of the first things that I wanna mention just to bring your concept of, and maybe it, maybe that's a good pop quiz to just mention here. When you think of Pharisees, but you think of the attributes of Pharisees, uh, what they looked like, what they did, what they said, and just kind of put that in your mind and think about what your vision is of those. Now, would you say that they are believers? That they, that they are the uh, saint worthy if you think about apostles and, and the disciples or, or Jesus, are they believers? Would they be considered believers or unbelievers? Would they be considered religious? But when you say religious, does that mean they're fanatical believers that are very judgmental and legalistic because uh, the definition that a lot of people have is, well, at least when they use the word Pharisee, when they've called me that, is you're you're just legalistic, all law and all uh, heart. It's that they're talking about it as if you're a believer, but you're very religious and very dogmatic and very uh, black and white. But were the Pharisees believers? Or were they unbelievers? Were they born again? Well, they didn't even know about born again until John 3, which we'll we'll get to that in one of them. But the, these are not... Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I shouldn't... I'm not going to tell you what what they are, let's hear what God says they are. But I just wanted to bring that first definition out to see what you think they are. And then as we go through scripture, we'll see if that's really the truth. So we're going to start in Matthew three, seven, which is the first instance of Pharisee. And this is uh, Matthew three, seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, this is John the Baptist. He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the ax is laid unto the root of the tree. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." So just on that alone, do the Pharisees sound like believers that just backslid a little bit? Do they sound like they really love God and they're repentant? Uh, or is this a, a whole different generation of vipers? That's who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. No, no, this is John the Baptist. Why didn't he tell him, Hey guys, God loves you. Jesus loves you, man. He didn't say that. Well on, on a previous, Post we
1: talked about law first mentioned and I think this is where we this is where we were trying to get it. So, the first mention here um, is Pharisees and Sadducees. So, what we're going to find out here is the context surrounding the Pharisees and Sadducees is going to um, go have that same definition as you flow through the rest of of the Bible. So. Birth law first mentioned the first time something's mentioned that a uh, definition that's assigned to it will carry itself through the rest of the Bible. Just wanted to throw that in.
0: Right. So, I mean, the first mention here, um, Pharisees and Sadducees are defined as a generation of vipers who should flee the wrath to come. That does not sound like, hey, you're God's chosen people. You, he really loves you. You just need to. Uh, that's that's not how they're defined. That's, it's like the, the exact opposite is how, uh, John the Baptist finds. All right. The next, uh, section that Matthew five, I'll start at 14. This is Jesus talking, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house, Let your light. So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. This I thought was, this is Jesus' first mention of the Pharisees. And I find it interesting that he specifically says, I'm not here to destroy the law, because what... Your, well, if we're going to fight out, the Pharisees are constantly trying to say you're breaking the law, you're breaking the law of Moses. You're, you're, and he he starts off his conversation with that, and people will say the Pharisees are horrible and they're judgmental and so on. But Jesus said, except your righteousness it exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. So if the Pharisees were legalistic, Jesus, Jesus is Jesus saying, "Hey, you don't have to do as much as the Pharisees are telling you to do. They they're they're really telling you, they you know, the law. You don't have to do the law. That's not what what you need to do. Is that what we just read? Is that what we read? And we're going to find out the Pharisees weren't." talking about the law they had other things but we'll just carry on so Matthew 9:11 I'm not reading each of the corresponding ones in the other gospels because a lot of these have the same conversation mentioned in the other gospels I'm just trying to choose one uh that we can see the concept so um uh, 9:11 Matthew will start at verse 9 actually and as Jesus passed forth from thence he saw a man name of Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The, oh, there then it goes into fasting, but I want to want to pause there. This I think is meant yes, it's mentioned in Mark chapter two, it's mentioned in Luke chapter five, and all three times he says, I am not called to come to call the righteous, but sinners to Repentance. And so this instance where the Pharisees are accusing him of eating with publicans and sinners, they, the world takes that and say, see, Jesus was friends with them. Jesus loved them. And he wasn't judgmental. He wasn't, he didn't talk about sin. He didn't talk about this, that is that really what happened? Because all three accounts here said, he, he told them exactly what he was doing. He was calling them to repentance, not acceptance, not tolerance to repentance. And so the this concept, if people don't read the whole thing, then, or they, they mix it up with, uh, they match it with God is love. Uh, God, God forgot to love the world that he ate with sinners. You know, they mix all these verses together and they overlook the ones that say, but sinners to repentance. That that's a pretty big part of that story that kind of gets overlooked. Uh, the next, it continues on here a little bit. Then came to the disciples of John saying, why do we and the Pharisees, this is disciples of John the Baptist saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast off but thy disciples fast not. So the Pharisees fasted. They they did fasting. So there's another fact that we know from God's word about them. And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. So there's a time for fasting, and there's... A time not to fast. Let's go to Matthew 12, 24. All right. We'll start at verse 22. Then was brought unto him, one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch so much that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or your house divided against itself shall not stand. But if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So, a couple things in, in that section. The Pharisees it says cast out devils well it says by whom do your children cast them out i'm i'm pretty sure that meaning there he's talking about their students their or maybe it is their kids are casting them out but the pharisees are okay with those casting out they didn't like jesus casting out devils so they actually according to jesus they cast out devils so they fasted they cast out devils um, but that in verse 30, he, that is not with me is against me. That's, is that inclusive speech or is it more pointing out exclusive? That's kind of where to work on, but, uh, Matthew 15, one then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem saying, so we have, I'm, and I'm only pointing out things where the word Pharisee is used, but we saw in the first mention, the Sadducees were kind of grouped with the Pharisees. And here we have, um, also scribes and Pharisees. So there's other titles that are kind of thrown into the same group. And so I didn't look up every reference for scribes or Sadducees specifically. I was just focused on Pharisees, but I think we'll get the picture. Uh, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Well, that's interesting that Jesus... That that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it, Jesus? But ye say... Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, if it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God, of none effect by your tradition. And ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me but in vain, do they worship me teaching me for teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Uh, This that's a powerful section there. So it shows the Pharisees are actually fulfilling prophecy and they, they wouldn't want to, they wouldn't call that a a good thing. Um, but Isaiah prophesied, Jesus said, he, Isaiah prophesied of the Pharisees specifically. But is it because they, this is the pop quiz here for this section. Is it because they were Bible that they focused too much on the word and, and they weren't loving? Was it that. They were, they, they just took the Bible to black and white. Is that what it says? Jesus called them out on what, what was their, what was their problem? According to him, he said, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So they added things in their tradition, their culture, if you will. And they even, they admit it. They said, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They didn't say, why does it transgress the commandments of God? They held the tradition higher than God's word. And here Jesus is pointing out specifically your, here's what God said, honor, uh, God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. Jesus affirmed that, confirmed it. And said, so this is what God said, but you change it and you added to it. And now you hold that higher than God's word. And, and this is what we see in Bible interpretation today. Well, the culture back then, while the old Testament, you know, that was harsh and it was, Jesus is confirming it right here. And the tradition is what makes it bad. But we will keep moving. Matthew 16, verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky. But can ye not discern the signs of the times a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and there shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas, and he left them and departed. That didn't sound very loving that, that here they're asking a question. They want a sign prove to us that you're God and Jesus response is this a loving response? If the world were to judge today, if that's the proper way to respond to someone saying, I would like to see a sign to know that God is real. No, the world would not say that was a loving response that Jesus said. So everybody that wants to just go by what Jesus said, okay, let's, let's go by this one. Uh, He called them a wicked and adulterous generation and left. (laughs) That's, I, 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 don't know, that's, that's just humorous to me in light of how we're told we're supposed to be. We were supposed to be like Jesus supposed to be more like Jesus. Okay. How about like this one? Is this one good or not? But it does say they were trying to tempt him. So the Pharisees are a group of people that are trying to trick people in their words. They don't want the truth. They were out there asking for the truth. They were trying to trick him and they wanted a sign. Show me proof. I want proof. Show me a sign outside of the Bible. These are Pharisees that supposedly had the keys to the the word and knew the word. And they want a sign. Well, if you couldn't get it from the word, then, uh, why are you asking for a sign? And he points out a prophecy sign of the prophet Jonas. And just as a sidebar here, was Jonas considered the loving prophet? Was that kind of his title? The tolerant prophet, the, the compassionate prophet. He's mad
1: that sinners are getting
0: saved. <laughs> he was furious, and, but here Jesus called him a prophet and said, that's the sign. There was a specific reason then Jonah was put into the, body, the, the whale for three days and three nights. I think Steve, you mentioned that on one of the last ones. So we're not going to change it. I'm going to leave it exactly as it is. Next one is Matthew 19 verse three. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. Okay. So that's twice they're trying to trick him. They don't want the truth and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put his wife put away his wife for every cause. And he answered and said unto them, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Now, where would they have read that? Is he saying, have you not, didn't you read the latest uh, best-selling author? Uh, haven't you read that? What is he quoting here? It's going all the way back to Genesis. It is written. That's how how Jesus responds. And said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement? it's interesting they say command to give a right. It's not like Moses told all the guys, hey, divorce your wives. That's the way they word it here. They make it sound like he's telling them to do that. And to put her away. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is good not to marry, not good to marry. Which that you just got married. Were these verses in your uh, your marriage counseling sessions? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. At verse 11, but he said unto them, All men, okay, so I should pause there before I go on. Did Jesus make, am I try and ask this correctly. They're coming up and te- tempting him about divorce and, and remarriage, and they're bringing up the law. Is Jesus confirming the law? and getting rid of the law meaning he's he's saying the law was too strict i'm going to i'm going to make it less strict for you or is he making it more strict than the law so you, you, there's only three options here either it's the same as what moses said or it's less harsh or it's more strict Those are the only three options. And what does Jesus do here? It seems like he's not only confirming it, he's actually telling them, and here's, here's a good hermeneutical principle. Like we talked about last time Here's scripture interpreting scripture of why some of the old Testament laws were in place. It's, uh, this is about as hermeneutical as you can get it of he's saying Moses because of the hardness of your hearts suffered you allowed you to put away your wives but I say unto you so this is different and he makes it more strict and more confined and so his disciples say well in that case good not to marry but he said unto them all men cannot receive this saying save they To whom it is given for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake he that is able to receive it let him receive it so once again if you did not read the next couple of verses and you only read verse 9 about the reason, the cause allowing for divorce and remarriage, you're not getting the whole picture. He specifically adds clarity in verse 12, uh, this saying say uh, to whom it is given. So I, I thought that was very interesting how Jesus handles the Pharisees. The next one is Matthew 21, 23. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority doest thou these things? Or, And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. So here it, it talks about the chief priests and the elders of the people. So it doesn't say Pharisees yet, but if we keep reading, then we're going to find the Pharisees. Uh, but once again, they're asking about authority, they're challenging Jesus authority. And that's really what all conversations are going to come down to is authority. What, by what authority do you say these things? Our authority is the word of God. That's, that's our authority.
1: We get that a lot when we get into conversations, um, with people about the Bible and that they'll say, well where did you go to school how many degrees do you have i mean what what's your education and we're like it's not about my education let's just deal with the text itself and anytime they start coming up with those questions as to you know who's got the better schooling that means they're stuck as to being able to defend their position
0: Exactly, they're they're exactly at the place of these chief priests here, and Jesus asked them that that question, and their their response was, and they answered Jesus and said, "We cannot tell." And he said unto them, "Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things." Uh, he he Jesus has some sarcasm in so many of his conversations, um especially with the chief priests and the elders and the pharisees which again I want to point out are not believers they're not ones trying to hold to the word of god they're not trying to teach about god they have their tradition their whole other belief system that is not the bible and i think that that needs hopefully you understand that distinction here when someone calls you a Pharisee, well, are you a Pharisee? Are you a born again believer? Because if you are, then that's not a Pharisee, number one. Uh, are you going by the word of God? Or are you adding tradition and culture to your belief system? Because that's that's what the Pharisees were doing.
1: Well, yeah, usually the people that are accusing
0: you of being a Pharisee are the Pharisees. They don't even know what the word means. They, they just think it means a religious bigot uh, that is preaching about jesus that i mean i don't if you ask them what it meant i don't think they would even know but that's why i want to make sure we know what it means so that if someone says oh you're a five foot one um person from ireland that has black hair and three feet and You're what? No, that's, that's not me. All right, we'll continue on. So Jesus keeps talking to them in verse 28. But what think ye? a certain man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went and he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And went not whether of the twain did the will of his father. They say unto him, the first Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, does that mean they just that what well, we read that? Does that mean they just publicans and harlots are going to heaven? That's what he said. That's what the verse said. Uh, no, that says back in verse 29, afterward he repented and went. So there's still repentance there. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not, but the publicans and harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. So he's he's saying they repented of their deeds. The the publicans and harlots repented. Therefore they're going into the kingdom. Verse thirty three, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Verse 36, again, he sent other servants more than the first and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir, come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus saith unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders reject? I'm sorry, did I read that right? Jesus saith unto them. Haven't you ever had an opinion about the original autographs? No, that's not what he said. Jesus saith unto them. Have you read the latest popular author on their talk? No, sorry, verse 42. I'll try and get it right this time. Jesus saith unto them. Did ye never read in the scriptures the, how can they read in the scriptures if they don't have them? That's sorry. Jesus saith unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures, the stone, which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Now there's, there's just a ton of stuff in this chapter that would go on a lot of rabbit trails, but the they, uh, did, did you catch that last part? They perceived that he spake of them. He told them basically history. He's talking about God sending the prophets and they were stoned. He sent more prophets and they were stoned. He sent his son and they took him and killed him. He's telling them what they're going to do and what they have done And what was their response? Not, God be merciful to me a sinner. It's, we gotta figure out how we can get rid of this guy. Matthew chapter 23, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, but whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves do these sound like believers that are that are just fanatics that they're or is this just an entirely different religion altogether but i'll continue verse 16 Woe well, unto you ye blind guides which say Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether it is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether it is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone, ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell?" Ouch, is all I can say. Do you wonder why the Pharisees didn't like him? <laughs> what? I, I didn't count how many times did he say hypocrites how many times he call them hypocrites scribes and Pharisees and all of that that he said was he saying you're too strict with the word of God you're you hold the word of God too high you're not uh, loving enough no he talked about extortion and excess and Well, number one, the hypocrites is just on and on making all of these details, straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel, which if the camel was a good thing to swallow, then okay, that's, that's fine. But they're making all of these extra rules, extra things that are in God's word. And that's what they live by instead of what God actually wrote. So it's not because they were upholding the law strictly. It was all the extra stuff. Well, I'll continue verse 34 because he's not done as if verse 33, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? That's, that's Jesus saying that. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogue and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar Verily, I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord." Uh, Oh, it's a big chapter. That's a lot, but I I didn't add anything. I didn't give you any cultural context, anything else. What are your thoughts about the Pharisees? What, what do you, oh, I did want to, isn't it interesting that when Jesus talked about, uh, he said that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. So that's Genesis unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barakias, whom he slew an altar. And that is in, uh, he mentions that in second Chronicles, which in the Hebrew Bible, it's it starts at Genesis and it ends at second Chronicles. So for, for this particular context, he, he says all of the blood we would say Genesis to Revelation because we have the New Testament, we have the last book of Revelation. Basically he's saying from the first book of the Old Testament to the last book of the Old Testament, all of that righteous blood is on you. That's a little harsh. Anyone hear about the love of Jesus in that one? Did I I miss that? Am I misinterpreting something? Did I read it into something? So he's talking to unsaved right? These aren't believers. These aren't born-again people. He's talking to unsaved people. That's how he talked to them. And truth is, is what Jesus spoke. Ooh, that was a big one. So we have one more reference in Matthew, and that is chapter 27, verse 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation the chief priests and pharisees came together unto pilate saying sir we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive after three days i will rise again command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people he has risen from the dead so the last error shall be worse than the first pilate said to them you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher, sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So the Pharisees are political. They are, uh, went to the Romans. And so that, that whole thing of all the guards around the sepulcher, that was the Pharisees. They were in charge of that. They did that. Uh, Because they were scared, which they should have been, (laughs) but obviously it didn't help. So that is everything in Matthew where Pharisees are specifically mentioned. And that is only 10 of 39 references in the New Testament about the Pharisees. And I would take another couple of hours to go through the rest of them. I can tell you it doesn't get any better for them. There's, it's not like Mark's perspective of the Pharisees where they were just very humble and so on. No, they weren't. Uh, it, it's very much the same. I do want to mention one from Luke chapter 18. And this starts at verse, we'll start at verse nine. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So we learn more about the Pharisees from Jesus' mouth. They tithed, they fasted, they prayed, but it was for themselves. They weren't doing it for God, and they, they were comparing themselves with others, and others Sin, although yeah, you'd call it because the Pharisees talking about extortion, unjust, adulterers. The publican, though, he was concerned about his sin against God, wanting mercy from God for his sin. Do you see the the radical contrast here in just this one parable of a gospel that is all about you you're great God loves you you're awesome you're wonderful you're magnificently made in the image of God you're made and all of those are true though those are those are things that God said in his word however the focus is on you and how great you are whereas this man is is a repentant sinner, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's what Jesus said was justified. That man had it right. It's if, if, if we don't think we're sinners, God can't save us. Jesus said the other times uh, he said, he came to call sinners to repentance. Well, if you're already righteous, then he's not talking to you, but he's calling sinners to repentance. And like Paul said, of, of whom I am chief, I'm a sinner. I have done wicked things and God be merciful to me, a sinner. I, I, that's what I want from God because everything is about God. It's about God, not me. If anything, it's about how much of a sinner I am and wanting his mercy versus the other way around. Uh, God, you should love me because I'm I'm really good. So that I thought that distinction was a little brought out a little bit of a different thing about the Pharisees. But there's many more verses that could be done. I would challenge you to look through the rest of the verses. Maybe we can add this as a longer segment on the website. We've got the website um, slowly starting to come together at the moment. Alive with uh, or, uh, Steve's page, what's in your Bible.com and his reels on Instagram. Uh, we're hoping to add more to it that we can't necessarily fit on a podcast. So, um, Nathan trying to remind me if I forget that we can put a page with all of the references there. So if you want to study to show thyself approved unto God and just see what does God say about the Pharisees and make sure you're taking that definition from God and his word. And if someone calls you that, then I would check yourself. Do you fit that in that is that, are you doing this for God? Are you out there telling people about their sins for God or to make you feel better, are you trying to be right all the time? Or do you have a mindset of God be merciful to me a sinner? uh, repentance. Jesus talked about so many times around the Pharisees that they would not, but that's what he calls us to do. So check out the website for the longer version. Uh, definitely check out Steve's, uh, Instagram. What's in your Bible. There's a lot of good stuff there and we'll see you on another podcast. Uh, Nathan, you want to close us out in prayer? daily uh, father thank you for this uh podcast we get to learn
1: about uh the Pharisees and uh, how you uh, described them and uh, I thank you for allowing us to learn more about you and learn how to respond to sin and how to respond to others that are sinning uh, I ask that you help us supply this to our lives and uh and uh, thank you for uh, giving us the answers we thank you in Jesus name amen